Hi, I'm Philip Anthony Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. And this is episode 130, I think. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash theweekindoubt. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So I think I have a quick correction to make. Last week I was talking about a controversial former naval chaplain by the name of Gordon Klingenschmidt, uh, a.k.a. Dr. Chaps, uh, who was recently elected to to the uh, Colorado House of Representatives, I believe. Well, anyway, uh, I pronounced his name incorrectly as Klingerschmidt, but I guess it's actually Klingenschmidt. Um, the guy probably doesn't deserve the correction, but I'll give it to him anyway. And I think I actually have another news story concerning uh, good old Dr. Chaps later on in the show. But first up, I actually have a story uh, regarding Mormonism. And since the inception of the show, I've tried to portray myself as a kind of uh, kinder, gentler non-believer, someone who tries to criticize religion in, in at least a somewhat respectful manner, I hope. But that being said, you longtime listeners are probably all too familiar with the uh, gloves-off approach I take with newer religions like Mormonism and Scientology. And to once again try to explain why I tend to take that approach, it's because I view the man-made nature of recent religions to be all too evident. Obviously, I don't believe in the supernatural claims of ancient religions um, either, but it boggles my mind how otherwise intelligent people can willingly embrace the clearly made-up belief systems of uh, opportunistic con men like Joseph Smith and L. Ron Hubbard. And the reason why I'm bringing all this up is, as I just mentioned, I have a story about uh, Mormonism that I want to discuss. It seems that, in an attempt at transparency to their credit, the Mormon Church has been releasing or publishing material relating to the faith, and recently they released an essay uh, regarding Joseph Smith and polygamy. I'll read a bit from an NPR article uh, dated November 14th, and it's by Dan Bombs, I think it is, B-A-M-M-E-S, Bombs or Bams, and it's entitled Mormon Church Publishes Essay on Founder Joseph Smith's Polygamy. Brigham Young publicly acknowledged what Mormons call plural marriage after the church became established in Utah in 1852. But an article posted last month on LDS.org, the official website of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, says the practice of polygamy originated with its founding prophet, Joseph Smith. Historians and others in the Mormon community have welcomed the article as a sign the church is becoming more open about its own history. Mormon historian Todd Compton, who's written a book on Smith's polygamy, says there's good evidence Smith married at least 33 women by the time he was murdered by a mob in 1844. Other scholars put the number as high as 40 or 50. Compton says some of them were already married to other men. That was a really remarkable fact when I started researching and documenting these marriages, Compton says. These women continued to live with their first husbands, who they were civilly married to. 
Several of Smith's wives were teenagers when they were married or quote-unquote sealed to him for eternity, as the Mormon practice is called. One and possibly two were just 14 years old. The church article says not every marriage involved a sexual relationship. Compton calls the article a good first step in what appears to be a new openness by the church to controversial topics in its own history. It's great that people who have brought up Joseph Smith's polygamy in the past and mentioned it to conservative family members and the family members have just said, oh no, that didn't happen. It's all the work of anti-Mormons. They can now point to these articles and say, no, it occurred, he says. The church officially discontinued the practice of polygamy in 1890, though. Another article on the church website acknowledges that it continued as something of an open secret for some time after that. Today, Mormons who affiliate with offshoot groups that still practice polygamy risk excommunication. Some Mormons argue the doctrine of polygamy Smith avowed is still part of Latter-day Saint teaching. Feminist Mormon activist April Young Bennett points out that men who are widowed or, divor or divorced sorry, can still be sealed in Mormon temples to a second or third wife, something critics call spiritual polygamy. Women don't have the same privilege. This is a theological problem that needs to be resolved at the highest levels of church governance, she says, and I really don't think it will be resolved until women are part of the highest level of church governance. Bennett is a leader of the group Ordain Women, which has been urging church leaders to consider allowing women to receive the LDS priesthood. The website Mormon Women Stand is more traditional and supportive, and supportive of church leadership. Jolaire Richardson is a blogger on the site. She says her faith in Smith is broader than just one controversial topic. I don't know of any other woman personally who's ever been asked to be okay or be at peace with polygamy, because it's a hard thing, she says. But personally, when I've prayed about Joseph Smith, that's how I feel I got my answer. The church's public relations department declined an interview for this story, but it did issue a statement this week pointing out that the material in the articles on polygamy has been available from other published sources for a long time. It says the new articles are meant to be a resource for members and to counter misinformation about Mormon beliefs and practices. Uh, well, I guess you have to hand it to them. Uh, at least they're being honest. And in a way, I mean that sincerely. I think it does take a certain type of courage to hold a controversial set of beliefs and then come out and be that transparent. Although, in fairness, I don't think Joseph Smith's polygamy was ever much of a secret to begin with. So it sounds like he had at least 33 wives, possibly as many as 50-something, some of them as young as uh, 14 years old. Um, whether or not the marriages to the younger girls were quote-unquote spiritual marriages or whether he was engaged in sexual congress with underage girls, I don't know. But that brings up a important issue that I've talked about before on this show, and you guys are probably familiar with uh, Warren Jeffs. He was the controversial, or still is technically, because I think his, even though he's in prison, he still holds sway over his followers, and a controversial leader of a uh, fundamentalist Mormon sect. Um, and uh, 
Warren Jeffs himself was not only involved with underage girls, but he was also involved in marrying off underage girls to other grown men uh, within the faith. And um, I would imagine uh, common sense would kind of suggest that this type of behavior is probably to some degree a direct result of um, the example that Smith set with his own behavior regarding uh, plural marriage and um, underage girls. So it's disturbing stuff. Uh, but I should say, I often beat up on Mormonism, but I should say that uh, that mainstream Mormonism uh, no longer supports plural marriage or uh, polygamy, if you like. Um, but they still buy into the stuff about the magic golden plates and um, the stuff about Joseph Smith passing off ancient Egyptian papyri as the quote-unquote book of Abraham and all the other nonsensical stuff that goes along with the uh, teachings of Mormonism, uh, the belief that um, Native Americans were really uh, Israelites and that Jesus um, visited the Americas, etc., but at least they're making an attempt at transparency. And Christmas is coming. And uh, I'll embarrass myself yet again on the show by admitting I like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. <laughs> um, yeah, so last week I had talked about, as I mentioned at the uh, top of the show, Dr. Chaps Gordon Klingenschmidt. Not Klingerschmidt, Klingenschmidt. Um, and I had been talking about how in reaction to a story about a pair of young twins, one of which was uh, transgender or is transgender, his reaction was that the one who's transgender must uh, be in need of an exorcism and that uh, they're under some kind of demonic influence. Um, you know, I usually refrain from resorting to personal insults, but I think the guy, at least based on his behavior, is despicable. Um, and I can't believe he was just elected to the Colorado House of Representatives. But I'll read a little bit uh, from Right Wing Watch. And um, as far as my personal politics go, uh, if you've been listening to this show for a while, I like to consider myself independent with strong uh, progressive leanings as far as gay rights and things are considered. So I like to think at least, hopefully I'm being intellectually honest, that I'm not just some biased right-wing basher. Uh, but this one article does happen to be from a right-wing watch, and I'll read a bit from it. And it looks like it's by someone named Kyle Mantila, I think. Okay. And it's entitled, Meet Dr. Chaps Gordon Klingenschmidt, Colorado's New Anti-Gay Demon Hunting State Legislator. <clears throat> well, the demon hunting sounds cool. It almost reminds me of, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Might make a good TV show. But anyway, Gordon, uh, Gordon Dr. Chaps Klingenschmidt, a radical anti-gay religious right activist who brags of having once tried to rid a woman of the foul spirit of lesbianism through an exorcism and who openly proclaims that American law needs to reflect God's law and that our foreign policy must be based on the Bible, won election to the Colorado House of Representatives last night. And for reference, this is dated on uh, November 5th, okay. 
Klingenschmidt, who wrote a book about how President Obama is possessed by demons and once performed an exorcism of Obama, ran an utterly embarrassing campaign, yet nonetheless mentioned to defeat his Democratic opponent, uh, his Democratic opponent by nearly 40 points. Since Klingenschmidt's now officially an elected Republican legislator, it seems like a good opportunity to take a look back at the radical views he will now be bringing into the Colorado legislature. Klingenschmidt is a viciously anti-gay theocrat who believes that gay people want your soul and may sexually abuse their own children, which is why he says they should face government discrimination, since only people who are going to heaven are entitled to equal treatment by the government. Yeah, that is despicable, but uh, I'll continue. He has declared that judges who strike down gay marriage bans are imposing the devil's law upon people and are deceiving people into hell, warning that these rulings will eventually be overturned by Jesus, who will send all gay people to hell. Yeah, Jesus, who didn't really seem to have much to say about homosexuality. I mean, the Old Testament says some nasty things about homosexuality. Uh, the book of Leviticus, of course, but Jesus didn't seem to have too much to say about it and didn't jesus say that he would return well some of uh before some of his own current generation had passed uh and we're still waiting for him so i don't think we have to be afraid that jesus is gonna overturn anything anytime soon but um yeah, I'll continue. Klingenschmidt has declared that the don't ask, don't tell policy should never have been repealed since gay soldiers cannot serve effectively in combat because they are constantly taking breaks on the, com on the combat field to change diapers, all because their treacherous sin causes them to lose control of their bowels. That's in quotes. He also proclaims that those who are not welcome in the church should not be entitled to use public restrooms. The thing about gay soldiers, I guess the guy doesn't know his history about, say, the uh, sacred band of Thebes and of other um, examples from the ancient world where it was thought that homosexuality could actually kind of cement um, the bond between soldiers rather than being seen as a distraction, as was an anti-gay uh, argument in the recent past or at least an argument against why gays shouldn't uh, serve openly in the military in the recent past um, that people would sometimes bring up when uh, when the struggle to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell was still uh, going on. Gays, he says, have something inhuman and demonic inside them, which is why he declares that teaching kids about gay marriage is mental rape and advocates for Christians to print anti-gay Bible verses on the back of of gay wedding photos. And as many other people have brought up, um, a big argument that uh, people who are anti-gay will try to bring up uh, against why homosexuality is wrong is they'll say it's unnatural. But as many others have pointed out, uh, the animal kingdom is rife with examples of uh, homosexuality. And if it happens commonly in nature, how can it be then unnatural. Uh, and I think there's even been stories about how even though, obviously, gay individuals themselves can't procreate, that there may be some evolutionary purpose for it, or that there may be something uh, evolutionarily beneficial about the, the genetics of 
the mothers of our gay men. But actually, I, just so I don't sound like I'm talking out of uh, you know where, um, I actually quickly looked it up online and I found a uh, article from the HuffPost Science. Um, male, and this is date. When is this date? This is from two years ago. Male homosexuality study: gay men have evolutionary benefit for their families. New research suggests. And I'll read a little bit from it, uh, and it's by Natalie Walkover or Walchover. Uh, a lot of uh, difficult names today, uh, or, or either that. I just have a problem reading names. But anyway, uh, well, female sexuality appears to be more fluid. Research suggests that male gayness is an inborn, unalterable, strongly genetically influenced trait. But considering that the trait discourages the type of sex that leads to procreation, that is, sex with women, and would therefore seem to thwart its own chances of being genetically passed on to the next generation, put differently, why haven't gay man genes driven themselves extinct? That sounds weird. <laughs> gay man genes. Uh, but anyway, um, this long-standing question is finally being answered by new and ongoing research. I'll skip down a little. Um, University of Padova in Italy. Uh, and others have found that mothers and maternal aunts of gay men tend to have significantly more offspring than the maternal relatives of straight men. The results show strong support for the balancing selection hypothesis, which is fast becoming the accepted theory of the genetic basis of male homosexuality. The theory holds that the same genetic factors that induce gayness in males also promote fecundity, high reproductive success, in those males, female, maternal relatives. Though this trade-off, through this trade-off, the maternal relatives, gay man genes, there it is again, though they aren't expressed as such, tend to get passed to future generations in spite of their tendency to make their male inheritors gay. So I'm getting a little off topic, so I'll probably just stop myself short concerning that uh, article there. But I just wanted to use that to shore up my point about how not only is homosexuality not unnatural. Yeah, if you're gay, you can't um, reproduce naturally, but that doesn't mean that it's quote-unquote unnatural. It happens widely in the animal kingdom and as we see, uh, science is pointing to the strong possibility that there's actually evolutionary benefits linked to um, homosexuality, or at least linked to the, or at least linked to the genetics of women who happen to be uh, related to um, homosexual men in this case. But back to uh, Klingenschmidt, I love how. These people come off like they're so sure their belief system is the one true belief system. They're so sure their religion is the one true religion. Their God is the one true God. The human species has been around for what? Maybe a couple hundred thousand years. Um, Christianity has been around for about 2,000 years. There were many religions before Christianity. There's many religions now besides Christianity, but they're so sure of their beliefs that they're willing to try to deride others and tell others how to live um, and wag their fingers at others with the threat of having to spend eternity in what is most likely their imaginary hell. Uh, it's just ugly 
bigoted stuff, in my opinion. And people might say my views of, say, Mormonism are bigoted, but my views on Mormonism are based on... Uh, are based on the lack of evidence and the absurdity of its supernatural claims. And at least I'm not threatening anyone with eternal damnation. So, and in my view, you know, people are free to believe whatever they want, but it would be nice if people applied some reason and critical thinking to their own beliefs. But I'll, I think there's one more paragraph um, in this article regarding uh, Dr. Chaps. But uh, here we go. Klingenschmidt is a man who thinks that Obamacare causes cancer, that the Bible commands people to own guns in order to defend themselves against left-wing crazies, and that's in quotes, that ISIS is a sign of the end times, and I, I uh, imagine he means the terrorist group and not the Egyptian goddess, and that the FCC is allowing demonic spirits to molest and visually rape your children. And that's in quotes too. The FCC is allowing demonic spirits to quote-unquote molest and visually rape your children. I don't even know what the hell that means. Um, I love how this guy not only claims to know that demons exist, but he knows what they're doing when and where uh, all the time apparently too. I I'm fairly familiar with the New Testament, and I don't ever recall any talk of, of uh, demons visually raping children or of the uh, FCC um, allowing such. Um, and now, thanks to the votes he received from more than 17,000 citizens, he is also an elected Republican legislator in the state of Colorado. There you have it, Dr. Chaps uh, Klingenschmidt. Uh, I don't know, man. But before I render myself speechless by trying to comprehend the mind of uh, Dr. Chaps, I guess I'll call this episode quits. And uh, as always, you can like the show on Facebook, uh, follow the show on Twitter, listen on Stitcher, uh, check out the YouTube channel. You can review the show on iTunes, subscribe through iTunes. You can listen to the show on Podbean and check out the archives there as well. Uh, that's where I host the feed for the show. If you're feeling generous, you can donate as little as 99 cents using the PayPal widget. Um, am I leaving anything out? There is now a call number for the show, too, but I'm feeling lazy, so I'll skip it for now. Um, and if you do take me up on the audible.com uh, trial offer, please remember to, I think you have to have cookies enabled or make sure you don't have some kind of privacy blocker because if you sign up for a free membership with Audible, even if you go through the Weekend Out uh, URL, if um, you have cookies blocked, Somehow I don't get the credit for it, and I don't get paid. Uh, I don't know how much longer th that whole thing is going to last. I'm in the process of considering moving from Audible to Lynda.com for a uh, sponsor. That's something I'm looking into right now. We'll see what happens. Hopefully Audible doesn't listen to this episode. They probably wouldn't like that. Um, but anyway... Uh, thanks for listening, as always, and until next week.